Eventfolio voice friends, welcome back to another episode. For this talk, I had a lot of fun breaking in the brand new Vetfolio Voice Studio with my friend and colleague, Dr. Taylor McCormick. Dr. McCormick graduated in 2022, and we decided to sit down and talk about her experiences with client communication since graduating and how it differed from her experience in vet school. We chose this topic because we started working together right after Dr. McCormick graduated, and I noticed right away that talking with clients just really seemed to come very naturally for her. And that carried over even if she was delivering tough news or making sure she was keeping clients engaged when managing chronic diseases that needed a lot of follow-up and a lot of communication and care. I know I definitely handed off some doozies to her when I would leave for the night, and I'm always impressed with how she handles them. And after this conversation, I think I figured out her secret. I think her secret is that she just has so darn much fun when she's talking to clients and her excitement and her enthusiasm for the medicine and for her patients, they're just infectious. They spill over to everybody that she's talking to. Dr. McCormick was born and raised in North Florida and is considered a double gator. She obtained a bachelor's degree in animal science from the University of Florida before pursuing her doctorate of veterinary medicine also at the University of Florida. Go Gators! During vet school, Dr. McCormick obtained a certification in shelter medicine and is fear-free certified. Her professional interests include dermatology, surgery, and preventative medicine. She enjoys spending time with her husband and two dogs, Murphy, a Labrador, and Sandy, the cutest little English cocker you've ever seen. All right, let's go ahead and get into our talk. Well, I am joined by the wonderful Dr. Taylor McCormick, who I have the great pleasure of working with every Tuesday. We get to hang out and either do surgery or see appointments and all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm so excited to get to also do this with you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's it's an honor. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm excited because we're talking about client communication and this topic when when we decided to have a conversation, this was like the topic that immediately came to mind for me because I met you when you very first got out of school and you just like hit the ground running, like especially with client communication. You went in and were warm and welcoming and all the clients just really, you know, fell in love with you very quickly. So I wanted to talk to you about your tips and tricks in client communication and that really coming naturally for you getting out of school. Yeah, well, I appreciate that compliment a lot. I tell people, you know, it's a little cheesy, but I tell people, I was like, when I grow up, I want to be like Dr. Fleming. So oh. <laughs> for you to have that, um, that you know, thought, that, that characteristic in me is, is really well, like after a year and a half out, like that means a lot. Definitely was very nervous to start working and was really worried about people's perception of me and how how young I looked. I've always gotten that, that I've always looked younger than I am. And so, you know, starting into a role that you are in like a leadership authority role, I was really worried about how clients would perceive me, especially like in our demographic and location. Um, so that was a big fear that I had. And I do believe like personally, communication has always been something that is a strong suit. So for you to say that you noticed that in me like means a lot. So I'm excited. I was, I know I haven't been out as long as some people who are listening to this podcast, but hopefully something that we, you know, chat about today will either make them laugh that, you know, we've gotten through it as well, something similar or give them some advice or encouragement. So 
I'm excited. Absolutely. And I think exactly what you said, like, you know, make them laugh, give advice, encouragement, because even though you, you know, you haven't been out for a really long time, um, I think that was the whole idea was I was like, well, she hasn't been out that long, but here she is just jumping right into these rooms. And, you know, this is something we experience in vet med of you go from being a student to all of a sudden, like you said, you're in a leadership role and you have technicians looking to you and, you know, you have management who's expecting you to deliver certain results. And of course you want to take care of your clients and patients. Oh, and by the way, you have to communicate all of this and you're, you're communicating about a pet to an owner. So it has an added level of challenge and that's a big role to just kind of be thrown into. So are there any experiences you've had in your life? Like, were you just born a natural communicator or (laughs) is this something that's kind of developed over time? I was born a professional. Um, (laughs) Yes. So I feel like looking back at the way I was raised more from like a Southern state that I grew up with that sense of like respect for elders. I, I wouldn't say in a weird way, wouldn't be acknowledged if I didn't say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. But that was definitely ingrained in me. So a level of professionalism or respect, I feel like was just ingrained as a child, but I am the middle of three girls. And so I feel like I've always been a little bit more passive, more less confrontation, didn't want to fight. And so through that, I feel like I've been able to work with people of different personalities and let things, you know, brush off and learn when to pick my battles and when it's worth, you know, getting upset over or how much I can take before I reach my my point where I get really annoyed. But through that, I am also more of a people pleaser, which can be really damaging, I feel like in vet med. So there is a fine line that I walk. But I feel like with my with my personality and then some of the experiences I've gone through, which have helped build my professionalism and my communication have really helped. But I was I was thinking actually on the way here, like trying to prepare for this and just about like my personality and my I just remember this one time, you know, my my parents, I I really didn't have to be punished when I was little. All they would have to say to me was, I'm disappointed in you and it would just kill me. Oh, you were one of those. <laughs> I was one of those. I had left <laughs> for college and it was just this one weekend my mom and I had like maybe just not like the kindest words before I left and got in the car and my dad had called me and was like, your mom's really upset. Like if you don't turn around and come make it right, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. And my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was there helping my dad fix something. And he heard that conversation. He was like, as soon as your dad said those words, I knew you were turning your car around. And so that is like just the person that I am. And, you know, like like we'll kind of talk about later on, like with some difficult clients, I, I have to make sure like that part of me doesn't get taken advantage of. But I do feel like I am able to connect with people. And I think that really drives like my communication overall. I think, you know, that's there's a lot of like maturity there in the way that you're looking at all of that, because um, like you said, picking your battles, being able to let things roll off your back and really wanting to make people feel acknowledged and feel listened to. But I love that you also made a point to say, but you also have to protect yourself because I'm also a people pleaser and it can become damaging at times. So you know, that that's such a, a growing experience, I feel like, that, that continuously happens throughout our career of, like, fighting, walking the fine line, like you said, like, fighting against that people-pleasing side of ourselves, but also wanting to, wanting to help people, wanting to help animals, wanting to, you know, make people feel like, like there's somebody who's there for them. Right, yeah, and I feel like one of the, the best experiences, and I know if there's, like, pre-vet people or vet students listening to this, 
you know, not everyone can have this experience, but what really helped me the most was I um, was an ambassador for my school. So I did tour guides and orientations and campus recruiting events. And so I went from someone who would not talk to a random person or, you know, person at a party or off a street and then being able to hold a full conversation for like over an hour about like myself my experiences the campus and filling those awkward moments so there wasn't like that weird silence and so that took me from outside of my bubble and outside my comfort zone a hundred percent and so I definitely feel like that experience was the most beneficial to me so just stepping out of your comfort zone in any way that you can before you do go into like I feel like the real world (laughs) does help. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit earlier about how you kind of make this huge transition all at once, especially if you don't go through an internship or a residency. You go from being a student to almost like being in charge in some sense. And that can really rattle a lot of people. And it's a scary thing. So can you kind of being a more recent graduate, compare and contrast your experience in school compared to what it was like actually getting out into GP? It's very different. I feel like I was kind of in a protected bubble at UF um, and other students might have had a different experience than me, but I felt like we were very much the the people who gave the happy news. And so you don't really get put in those situations unless, for instance, maybe on emergency um, when everything is a shock or could be, you know, different types of clientele. But for the majority of people, when you're on surgery, internal medicine, ICU, like people know that they are putting a lot of their pocketbook into this and you don't talk about the finances. You don't talk about when is it time to consider quality of life or euthanasia. You're you're calling and saying, hey, like Sandy ate this morning. That's great. We're going to remove the nasogastric tube and see if she'll do it on her own or, um, you know, calling with the, hey, we're rolling into surgery. So I was really, you know, kind of giving the short little life updates that owners were very thankful to have because I couldn't imagine not seeing my dog for a week like I'd be like I'm camping out in the kennel with her (laughs) I think there's people that definitely do that yes definitely people who want to do that you know we were giving a lot of the happy little hey your dog's doing great kind of news and didn't have those difficult conversations I would say the only rotation I felt like I was present for those difficult conversations in person and not over the phone would be like on an emergency rotation so that I felt like we were kind of shielded from. And as much as they, you know, try to talk about professionalism and communication, we do practice seminars um, or not seminars, but we would go into a room and they would pretend to have a dog there as a stuffed animal and we have to talk. And that's really awkward and unrealistic and, you know, get feedback on that. So they do try to put you in those scenarios um, and, and start talking with the clients, but you definitely don't have those hard conversations that, really weigh on you in in we'll say like the real world and I I do remember specifically I was on a rotation and it was something really minimal like the client thought we lost her dog's leash and you know UF was really good about taking the pet's belongings off so that they don't lose them going service to service in the hospital and I was like ma'am like I really don't remember seeing this leash but I'll go look like I'll do my my diligence I'll go check I couldn't find the leash I told her she freaked out and was demanding money to purchase a new leash like a 24 karat gold leash (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I really don't remember seeing this can you like go check your car and the minute she got to that kind of angry accusative like explosive demeanor the technicians immediately removed me from the situation was like you're not talking to her anymore like we'll handle it from here so they immediately removed me from an angry client conversation and so I didn't 
you know, that was something else. Like I could have experienced, like, how did they handle it? How did it resolve? And it ended up being in her car, like I had mentioned, but you know, they immediately just kind of shielded me from that. And so, and like I said, other students might have had different, you know, experiences or perspectives on that, but I felt like you are in a kind of protective bubble. And when you get out, it, it is so shocking the different type of people you'll meet, what people will say to you, um, how they say it, how, how many rude people there are in the world. And it's sad, but um, that that was a really big like wake up call. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, I joke, you know, was it a 24 karat gold leash? But I do have to acknowledge, like, I'm sure this woman had spent a fair bit of money and, you know, it was emotional because her dog was sick, obviously, if it was on cardio. And so, you know, her emotions might not have been where they needed to be. But like you said, as soon as you got a glimpse of that type of interaction, that type of explosive interaction, you were immediately removed from it. It reminds me of uh, my senior year of clinics. There was this intern uh, on emergency. And, you know, of course, when you're a student, like you meet the interns and you're like, oh, you're a doctor. But like, no, they just got out too. Right. You're like, oh, you're so smart. (laughs) He had to go in because we actually had two codes back to back. I, I feel like they were both rat poison. Like it was bizarre. And we needed to crack the chest on one of them because it was just it was a bad CPR. So they sent him in to ask the owner if we could switch to open chest CPR. And this poor intern went in and was like, so your dog is, you know, not doing really well. We're having a hard time getting him back and was being really quiet. And I remember one of the residents just like busted open the door and was like, can we crack your dog's chest? We need to switch to open chest CPR. And, you know, it was like this really kind of traumatic experience as a student. Yeah. I honestly don't remember the outcome of that case. I'm hoping it was a positive one. But open chest CPR is, is obviously a big deal. But yeah, like, you know, he, you're looking at this person who you're like, oh, you're an intern, you're a doctor, you know, you're so smart and and so far ahead of me. But he was sent in to have an incredibly difficult conversation that right. it's hard to be prepared for. For sure. No one wants to make that difficult conversation. And I definitely did, ex- did not experience anything like that as a student. Like those, those conversations were not ones we were having. So, and, and that's hard, you know, we kind of talked about that at work that we were there for for medicine majority and they tried to squeeze in some communication there but I definitely felt like we were protected and if I had to have that conversation as a student I would have been just in tears and wouldn't have been able to do it so it's probably why they don't have us do it but it's definitely a a big transition absolutely you talked about being you know a people pleaser and really wanting to keep the peace and really wanting to make people feel heard what are some of the ways that you do that in the exam room to connect with the owner so if I think about how, how I go into a room, I, which we were kind of joking about this before, you know, normally I'd be like talking like, hey, I'm Taylor, but I go in the room I'm like, hey guys, I'm Dr. McCormick, like it's so nice to meet you. And I just have a little bit more of a pep, like I just had like a shot of espresso and just a little bit more bubbly than my normal self, not being fake at all, but just turned up a notch. Um, but of course it, that really depends on my owner's energy and the pet in the room. So if I open the door and the pet is loose, I usually try to greet them first. I'll be like, Hey Murphy, I'm Dr. McCormick. And then I'm like, Hey family, like it's so nice to meet you guys. And if it's safe, like with the patient's behavior, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll sit on the floor and I'll play with them. Or if they're nervous, I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to let them get to know my scent, my voice, my presence, and let's have a conversation about why we're here today. And then we'll move on to the physical exam and, and, you know, try to get fluffy out of the crate if like we're really nervous. 
And so I always try to greet the pet. I think that that's really fun. And then I also try to make a compliment. And so I know that going to the doctor for myself is really scary. And so if I can relieve some of that tension or, or fear, because, you know, if your pet's sick, you might be really nervous about the appointment as well. So I'm like, oh, like, I love Murphy's collar. Where did you get that? Or if they have on a sweater, if the owner has cute nail polish, I might mention something like that, trying to, like, give a compliment, maybe ease a little bit of, of fear that's going on and, and just kind of connect with them. And I feel like they do enjoy when I notice little details like that. And then as I – after we have our conversation about why we're there, you know, I move on to the physical exam and I try to – really have the owners know that I'm still acknowledging them in the room while I'm doing the exam. I try to voice um, each step of the physical and things that I find. And I actually had a woman tell me her dog was like eight years old, I believe. And she was like, wow, I've never had the physical exam performed or explained to me like you just did. And she was like, I'm very grateful for that. And she was like, I'm very thankful that you're a vet and that you're here today for my dog. I was really sad for her that she had never had a good experience I guess with her pet being eight years old she had never seen a physical exam done and I'm like well is that true but you know I'm just gonna take her word on it and then I was like oh that's really sweet of her to even say because she didn't have to say that so I try to have them you know engaged during the time and you know I do think that I keep pretty good eye contact in the room I want them to know that I'm engaging with them and not ignore them while I'm focusing on their pet so if we are talking during the exam I try to always have them know that I'm listening saying like okay gotcha or can you elaborate on that or just any kind of confirmation knowing that I can hear them um and then we you know we get a plan together after that and that's kind of like my flow if that answered your question. <laughs> no, I think it did. I was kind of like chuckling to myself going, except for the ones that keep going when you have the stethoscope on and you're like, hang on, just one second. Like, yes. Oh, Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just pretend like I didn't hear them, even yeah. though I did, just so that they'll get the memo that right. I can't talk right now. <laughs> but um, I also like what you said about really explaining the physical exam and doing it in front of them. Um, that's something that's really important to me, too. Because the last thing I want is for an owner to come in and for me to do a physical and say, like, your dog looks great. Have a good day. Because I feel like that sends the message to them where they would almost feel like, well, yeah, I could have told you my dog was fine. Like, you just laid your hands on them and was like, yep, they look good. Send them out the door. So when I'm like, okay, let me feel your lymph nodes. Oh, your belly is nice and soft. Your pulses feel strong. You know, things like that. Just to kind of let them know, like like you said, you're there with them. You really are doing a, a physical exam. You're not just petting their dog and telling them that they're fine. And it, I think it communicates a sense of value to owners. Yeah. And finding something that's really positive to say, I don't want to just be like, oh, your dog has dental disease and it has arthritis and there's a murmur, but I'll be like, hey, its skin looks great. Like you're doing a really good job with this. So, you know, trying to point out the positive as well, because, you know, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. How would I want my vet to treat my dog or how do I want to be treated at the doctor? And, you know, some doctors I have to be like, can you please palpate my thyroid? And some doctors just go ahead and do that. So, you know, I definitely like more thorough care. So, that's what I try to do in the event that the dog or cat will let me. Absolutely. I I love those that either, you know, maybe it's like a nine-year-old rescue dog who hasn't had a lot of preventative care or, you know, somebody who just hasn't taken their vet, to, their dog to the vet in a long time and you have to work on them and, and you do find all those things. You're like, they have dental disease and they have a murmur and their skin and yeah. all this. And so I just tell people at then, I'm like, they're fine. They just need a little tune-up. Like, we're just, <laughs> we're going to work on all this. We're going to get it all straightened out and they'll be good to go. Right, right. So kind of on the flip side here, what are maybe some of the challenges that you faced or, or lessons you've learned in the exam room? 
I would say the most recent lesson was, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn that people historically have liked me as a doctor, but I had someone recently who wasn't pleased with how the exam went and did not voice any of that in the room, but latter like called and complained to a manager about it. And I had spoken with my manager about how best to handle the situation because I wanted them to feel like I didn't want them to feel like I wasn't thorough or I I didn't care and that their dog wasn't getting the care that they thought that they needed, but also not let them kind of, I guess, shame me in a way that I, I didn't do my job right. And so I was really upset that they had waited until after the appointment to voice any concerns that they had. And unfortunately, the dog just wasn't that cooperative. It was a stray. I'm not sure at socialization level, it would not let us safely get lab work done or a full physical. So I was kind of limited and I would agree like my exam wasn't that thorough, but we had talked about coming back with pre-medication so that we were able to have a more thorough exam, but we're able to get a plan together in the room for at-home therapies and starting some treatments for the dogs, like let's say like really itchy paws or something. And so I had sent a discharge and emailed that later after the appointment because I, you know, didn't have time to do that until after lunch. And she had emailed back and said I didn't discuss these things in the room and just, again, just saying how upset she was. And so I spoke with my manager about it and she was like, well, I think the best thing in this situation would be to call her because we don't want to play telephone I don't want to argue back and forth on email about why this medication actually is safe when she doesn't think it's safe. And so I was like, well, what's my other option? Because I don't (laughs) want to do that. (laughs) I'm not. I was like, you know, I don't like confrontation. This doesn't sound fun at all. And she was like, we all have to do things that we don't want to do. And I was like, dang. So I was like, okay, it's the end of the night. Like, I I don't think I can go home. This is going to just sit and bother me. So just put on your big girl pants and just call her and I really didn't want to do it, but I did. And I'm very happy that I did because I felt like we reached resolution. And I explained just again why the recommendations I made were safer for her pet, what we could do as a step one, step two, step three, what the next couple of phases looked like if our initial more over-the-counter treatments weren't working at first. And, you know, that I was sorry if she felt that she wasn't really listened to or that she felt totally comfortable with the appointment because that I want what's best for her dog and so you know she was very kind on the phone and I thought that we reached a good resolution had some closure from that so I I went home feeling relieved that I did it of course not every conversation is going to go that way I feel like someone could still be grumpy even after you call but I felt better that I had reached out and and you know tried to make it right with her rather than letting that go for a couple of days or not reaching out so That was a a harder thing for me to do. And I know I'll probably have to do that again in the future because not everyone is going to like me as a doctor or they might question some things after the appointment that I might have to follow up with them on. So that was a new thing I had to do. And again, it wasn't fun, but I'm glad at the end of the day that I did it. And I can say that I I did everything I could to try to make this owner happy. Absolutely. And you can go home and sleep at night and know, like you said, you you were kind, you were thorough, you did everything you could to reach out and explain and if it's if it's not a fit, then it's not a fit. And that's OK. Not everybody's going to be a fit. But, you know, like you said, you did all the right things that you knew you could do and, and could control in that moment. And I also know the manager and I know if she said 
to call the owner and she felt like that was the, the best thing to do, she probably meant it because she's usually pretty willing to have those conversations for us. And so she was like, I think you need to jump in. Yes. That I'm so thankful for our managers. They, they do so much behind the scenes with unhappy people. And, you know, w- what I would want to do is, is I want every appointment to go well. Of course, that's not always going to happen. But there are some people at the end of the day you just can't please. But as long as I know I did everything I could to make that appointment positive, to do the best for the for the care of the patient. And then if they're still not happy or pleased with me, you know, we have like 10 vets that work for us. And if we don't vibe well together, they can go, you know, and find another vet. But it does hurt when they were like, oh, I didn't have a great experience. And you're like, oh, well, that's really sad because yeah. I thought I did everything right. But at the end of the day, you can't make everyone happy. And I feel like that's something I've just had to learn from my whole people pleaser. And I want people to like me personality. So that was definitely a learning curve for me. I think those conversations, I think they never get easy, but I think they do get easier over time. I think I shared this story with you of being in in an exam room, honestly, not very long ago. And I was doing what we were talking about earlier. I was kind of narrating my physical exam and I was finding things that were abnormal on the exam. And I felt like I was communicating them in a positive way. I was communicating them the way I I always do. And and I usually get really good responses to that. Right. This owner did not appreciate it at all. He he was one of these that I think he wanted me to look at the dog and say like, yep, everything looks great. Have a nice day. Everything's good. I'm going to ignore all of these things. Right. <laughs> and so I could tell he was getting like more and more upset as the exam went on. And so finally I stopped and I was like, I hope you're not taking any of, the, any of this as a criticism of you, as a criticism of your dog. You obviously love your dog very much. You're doing a great job. But, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm communicating this with you because that's my job. That's, you know, what you're here for is to have this physical exam. I'm pretty sure he does not want to see me again. <laughs> he didn't write a bad review or an email or anything, but I don't think I – and I even asked him, I was like, can I do this differently? Can I can I communicate this better? Because I certainly don't want to come across as, as criticizing either one of you. Yeah, no, I think he was just not interested in what I had to say. And to bring that story full circle, I don't know how everything ultimately ended up because he – the long-term care ended up with another doctor since I'm only there once a week. I did call him with the blood work results, which kind of like you, I had a lot of trepidation. I was like, oh, I really don't want to call this person. He really doesn't like me. Right. And he was really nice on the phone. But yeah, he was very nice when I called back. So I don't know how that ended up in the long term. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I have different technicians that get more upset by what some clients say or can do. So I try not to let that like skew my like my plan going in the room and how I'm gonna be positive and because then I'm like well I already feel defeated and I haven't even gone in there so I try to go in as a clean slate like not take any baggage from the previous room or previous conversation with me and and you know just trying to figure out if they are upset like why like are they just scared because their dog is sick are they worried because of how much it's going to cost and try to like figure that out with them and work through it so that they feel comfortable as well so that's something I try to try to say, like, why are you upset and how can we move on with that knowledge? That's a really good point, because a lot of times when we do have an upset client, like it's not always directed at us. It's, you know, maybe in this guy's case, it, you know, we felt like I told him he was doing a bad job caring for his pet or in the case of the person who was upset after your exam, you know, she had different opinions on medications and what she wanted to use for her dog. Or, you know, a lot of times finances play a big role and people have a hard time coming out and saying that. Or, you know, you never know what they went through that day. How many times have we been having a conversation and they're like, 
I'm so sorry. I can't focus on what you're saying. Like my husband's in the hospital and that's where I'm going after I leave here because they just had this big medical issue. And so it feels like because we're people pleasers who want to make people happy, we internalize those negative emotions. But a lot of it isn't even directed at at us per se. Right. And I've actually had owners come around at the end of the room and be like, you know, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for my attitude before I, I had X, Y and Z going on. And I was really mean to your tech in the beginning, which I wasn't aware of because I don't let people be disrespectful. But I was like, well, thank you so much for apologizing. Like that really means a lot. And we just, you know, continued on. And but I thought it, that that was really cool. Just keeping those open lines of communication, like you're human, I'm human, we're all going to have slip ups in our communication for whatever reason. If we can acknowledge them and just be kind to each other and move on, then we can get a lot done for these these animals. Mm-hmm. I love that. So having the experiences that you've had in the last year and a half, what would you tell new vets who are coming out of school about client communication and just kind of finding your groove? That that's great. And if I like looked back to baby me, I definitely when I came out, I had like the imposter syndrome and just so much fear and anxiety about like just the unknown and how I would be as a doctor. But I would just say, you know, as cliche as it sounds like stay true to yourself. I try to say at the end of the day, if if they don't like me, it's okay. but I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be positive. I'm going to try to be uplifting. I want to show them through my work that I'm really passionate about vet med, but I'm also really passionate about people. And I think that, you know, if I can show them through through the exam or the conversation that we have that I really care and I care about the human animal bond and I want the owners to be happy and comfortable, I might be I might talk in a baby voice and be like, oh, like your dog's so cute. Or like, can I give it cookies? Or, you know, I'm, I'm the extra dog mom. And I think that that sometimes comes out. But I, I do try to make it fun and really positive. And, you know, some of the owners don't match my energy. They give me one word back and it's like, ooh, how do I talk to these people? But I'm not going to really change my personality. And so I would say just go in there and what you're comfortable with. And if, if you're that really happy, positive person, then don't let people rain on your parade. And, you know, you're going to have people that respond really well to you. And, and, you know, I've, I kind of have gotten a little gang of followers of clients that are TM only, which, you know, really makes me happy. And we have a really good time when we're there taking care of their pet. And of course I can be super serious and, and, you know, I just think that what groove I have is working for me right now, but I think what really what really is important and what people really resonate with is that they just want to know that you care and they want you to care for their pets I mean I I don't have human children yet I have fur babies and they mean the world to me and I know how special everyone's pets are to them and I just want them to to know that you know I truly care about each appointment I go into and I think that 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 really makes a difference and why people are having positive experiences with me because they know how much I care and they can see that. So I would just, you know, always just be honest, be yourself and and just show like why you're passionate about being a vet. And I think that that will always come across in a positive way and people will respond to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really positive, really powerful message of making sure that you're true to your own personality. And if somebody doesn't like your personality well you know we're not going to change our personalities to fit you know matching energy is one thing but actually you know changing who you are to fit what somebody else is looking for is not healthy for anybody involved so you know like you said just staying true to yourself and and that that reason that you went to vet school and that love of animals that that we have and the rest will kind of take care of itself yeah and you know I 
and this might be extra information, but you know, we are in a, I'm more in a rural location, not, I would say so much city. And I replaced a very longstanding, much loved veterinarian who was a male and people have made comments like, well, I prefer male doctors. Like it's nothing against you, but you know, I'm just like, I'm just going to be myself and I just want them to come in and at least give me a chance. And if they don't like me as their doctor, they don't have to come back. But, um, I'm just, I'm just going to try to, you know, I always try to kill people with kindness. That's what I say. And just show them who I am and how much I care. And, and if that's not enough at the end of the day, then I'm not your doctor. But that's that's really what has just kind of like carried me through. And then you end up with like, like you said, your, your good, crew. Good people. Yeah. Good crew. And then you see your schedule and you're excited about it. Because you're like, oh, all these fun people that I get to go hang out with today. Yes, yes. I'm like, oh, Buddy's coming in and yeah. Little Pig's coming in. And I love her owner. And, you know, she calls me sweetheart. And I'm like, okay, I love it. So... Yeah, you definitely get um, some really good people, um, I feel like, when you're yourself. so Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, I think one of the things I'm hearing from you and something that we have in common is just going in and doing our job during the day. It's, you know, it's fun. Like, when you do get to go in and you, you get to see the dog in the cute collar or, you know, that super soft kitty that you get to pet and, and or, you know, maybe, like, the scared dog that wouldn't come out from under the chair, but you just sat there and you were patient and you had treats and talked softly and all of a sudden like that dog loves you and it's just really fun. So as we wrap up here, uh, do you have any like fun stories or like goofy interactions that you want to share? Yeah, I have a couple that come to mind. I have this little, it's a ridiculously cute, ancient little three to five pound Yorkie if you can even imagine how small that is and she comes in dressed head to toe for her appointments (laughs) and I had mentioned to mom how I loved her outfit and she had talked about having a specific maybe Christmas one at home and I was like please send me a photo or bring her in so I can just see this outfit and I had forgotten that request and then a couple weeks later and it was like last week a receptionist came to me and was like Um, her mom just sent an email and it's a slideshow of her in all these outfits and it's for you. And I was like, this is amazing. And I had the owner's permission to share it. And I put the song glamorous to it. So it's like G L A M (laughs) and with each letter, a different outfit on this dog popped up and I was just like cackling the whole day. Um, and then one, one more was that I had met these owners and this was kind of like not a negative to a positive almost was that I had met them at an end of life exam and euthanizing their their older lab and I always get a little upset like meeting someone for the first time because that's not how I really want them to remember me like oh that's the doctor that you know euthanized our pet but she had said you know she was very thankful and was very pleased with how everything went and if she ever got another dog she would come back and see me so fast forward a couple months, they come back in with two doodles and um, we were talking and I was just so excited for them. And she's like, well, I have a t-shirt with our faces and their faces on it. And I was like, you got to wear that to the next appointment. And she came in just so proud of her shirt, just showing me the pup's faces with mom and dad, human mom and dad on them. And I was like, this is amazing. I love it. I love you guys. I love this energy. And so we really have formed a bond through that. And and they come and see me like all the time now, um, you know, for good appointments. We know we want the boys to be healthy, but it's just little things like that that really just put a smile on my face. I'm like, oh, they remembered what we talked about and they came back to show me. And it just it really like makes me my heart smile. So I, I love my job it's so much. I love veterinary medicine. And my husband was like, you're never going to want to be home, especially because me and my one of my best friends got hired by the same place. And he's like, you're never going to want to leave work now. Like, this is bad. But I do try to, you know, have fun and 
And not every day is like that, but most days are. I'm with you. And I love that message that, you know, there's so many challenges in vet med that are very real and very legitimate. And so, but, but I love it too. Like I have no regrets. I would do it all over again and I wouldn't change a thing. And so I love talking to somebody else who shares that same energy and making sure that, you know, those of us who it, it's really wrapped up in, in our identity and, you know, and we love that it's, you know, that that's okay. I'm kind of with you. I was at a Christmas party and I was talking this, you know, we were talking animals and a friend of mine was like, Cassie, what do you do for fun? And I looked at him and I was like, for reference, the first time you asked me that question, because I was just talking about animals and nothing else was 10 years ago and nothing has changed. (laughs) So clearly this is like what I do for fun, which is not true. I also do things outside of vet med. I promise I I strive for a healthy work-life balance, but but I love it and it's fun and I like to talk about it and and have these experiences. That's why you're good at what you do. Same to you. And I am now going to go seek out that Instagram post because I need to see this ancient Maltese. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have it saved. I can show you. Oh, good. I can't wait. (laughs) Well, Taylor, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad we got to like, you know, have this cross of our work lives here and not and get out of the clinic for a minute and just come sit down and have this conversation because I've had a blast and I think you have a lot of really great insight into, you know, that initial experience in client communication. And I hope people listening, they can take some of that, that positivity that you bring away with them and go have fun too. And, you know, maybe if somebody was not having as much fun, maybe find some encouragement, like you said in the beginning. Yeah, I'm very thankful to be here. It was, it was fun. I was really nervous to talk on a podcast <laughs> and I was like, oh, you want me? The whole imposter syndrome coming back out. But <laughs> uh, I'm really thankful for this experience and like for where I am right now. And I'm excited for you know, what will I look like in 10 years or so? So I can't wait to see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, Thanks for having me. See what I mean? She's so happy and enthusiastic and having so much fun. It just spills right over. I hope you guys had as much fun with that talk as we did. Dr. McCormick, thank you so much for joining me. It was great breaking in the new studio. That was such a fun experience. For anybody listening, if you enjoyed this talk, if you leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, it'll make it easier for other veterinary professionals to find this talk as well as other great information out there. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.